Welcome to Ink and Pete, where memoir and Ireland share the stage. We talk with authors, guides, ghostwriters, and other free spirits drawn to memoir or enchanted by Ireland. I'm Barb Robitaille. And I'm Craig Stewart. Our guest today is Drew Lamb, author, teacher, mentor, muse, the creative force behind Taste Life Twice, which is Drew's gift for helping women release their creativity through writing. To be perfectly fair, that description hardly does Drew or Taste Life Twice justice. We recommend heading to her website and scrolling through photos and comments and see for yourself the magic that Drew calls forth in her group sessions. Check out tltwriting.com to place the images with the voice of Drew Lamb. I really enjoyed listening to your conversation uh, between you and Drew. I got a really clear sense of your friendship and of just how much fun you could have together. It's easy to have fun with Drew. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I remember the first time uh, I spoke with Drew, gosh, t over 20 years now. And I was working at David White's office, and he was—he um, he still does run a wonderful tour to Ireland. And Drew called and wanted to be a part of that. And so in the course of that conversation with Drew, she said, you know, I really don't know if I can do this unless I have a private room. And I thought, well, I can certainly relate to that. And so I said, she said, but I have to come up with the extra money for that. And I said, well, look, I've got you registered you know, give me a call back and uh, we'll go from there. And it wasn't two days later, I got a call and it was Drew. And she said, I found the money. And I said, well, that's great. You know, we'll get you the private room. And she said, you'll never guess where I found it. And I said, well, where? And she said, in a bunt pan in my cupboard. <laughs> <laughs> oh. <laughs> and I knew right then <laughs> she was someone I was going to really enjoy knowing. And uh, I had the pleasure of meeting her that, that spring in Ireland, and we've stayed in touch ever since. Ah, uh, great story. Do we even have a bunt pan? No, so don't even think about <laughs> looking. <laughs> I know, that's where I'm thinking, hmm. Hmm. <laughs> hmm, maybe some of that will, she can teach us the tricks behind that. <laughs> <laughs> it's been 20 years, I still haven't figured it out. <laughs> Oh, uh, yeah. Well, you know, one thing I would like to say, I would like to emphasize that um, to get a really good flavor of Drew, you can hear her voice. And, and of course, she's just she's lovely. And and uh, but I would recommend that people go to her website and check out the photos, check out the gallery, check out the testimonials from her people that are working with her. It really says quite a bit about uh, this force of nature we're dealing with here. It does indeed. She really is a bit of magic, yeah. and the space that she creates for her writing groups every week, there's something about stepping across the threshold into her home, and it's it it's a, such a comfortable, relaxing place. It's so inviting, and it just allows you to sink into wherever you might be and access that child within, and so that's the writing prompt is the, the presence that she holds, the space she creates, and it brings forward that that playfulness inside your own self, and you can bring that to the page. Mm. That's lovely. Very nice. She's a bit of magic. 
Now, what about if you can't cross her threshold? What if she's in Connecticut, right? She is. Okay, and let's say we live in Washington, but we would love to cross her threshold, but it's not going to happen. Oh, you can just zoom right in. Okay, you can use Zoom. <laughs> yeah. And she does that uh, and works remotely with a lot of her participants in mm-hmm. her groups. And it's it's the next best thing to being there, oh, for nice. sure. Uh-huh. Um, you You feel a part of the space and the group and the connection to both through the Zoom. Um, and, and Drew does a lovely job of making you feel like you're right there. Ah, that's great. Well, now's the time to put the kettle on. Sit back, relax, and enjoy a conversation with Drew Lamb. Thanks for joining me this morning. Oh, you're so welcome. Delighted to be here. And we're delighted that you're going to be joining us in Ireland soon, and that's going to be great fun. Yes, it is. <laughs> but uh, in fact, that's where we met. I know. You you created such a uh, exquisite atmosphere, and just had you were such a beautiful addition to that trip that I um, well I had to be we, we became friends because we we did. <laughs> <laughs> I just loved your sensibility and. All these years later, here we are. And here we are. And here we are. And and my goodness, that's 20 20 years ago at least. It's been that long. Wow. I know. Don't think about it. Don't think about it. Okay, we won't. We won't. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, Drew, one thing I remember from that time, though, that I have to mention, you talked to me at one point during that time together in Ireland. You were the first person that actually saw something in me as a writer. And I've never forgotten that. And it started me on my way. You talked to me about being an observer. And I knew that about myself, but I didn't think of it in terms of how it ties into writing. Um, I'll always remember that conversation. And uh, I thank you for that. The recognition or the, the being seen in that way was a first for me. Oh, that's, that's so beautiful. Thank you, Barb. That's really um, meant, meant the world. And also your tip to um, carry around a notebook, a small notebook in my purse or put it on the seat next to the, the passenger seat in the car. Mm-hmm. And you said, carry that with you with a, with a pen or pencil because you never know when the writing gods will throw you a sentence or a couple <laughs> of words. And so I, I've always done that ever since. And it's been um, a wonderful um, tool to always have with me for, for writing because you never know when something's going to come through. No, it's, it's a, the magic thing, and it's what makes life so extra delightful. Uh, when you're the writer, absolutely everything has the possibility of meaning or of creating, just to create something, such an exquisite thing to, for a human being to do. Um, I've been known to even break into places, like there, <laughs> a line came to me, and I was walking past a club, and I went just like, oh my God, I didn't have my pencil and paper, I had nothing with me, and I ran, and I found a door that happened to be open, I found a teeny little golf pencil, and I think I scribbled on a uh, paper towel that I found there. <laughs> because it is true, they kind of like fly past and you, you, you snatch them or off they go. Absolutely. There, there's no truth to it, for me anyway, that I'm going to remember it. Because at mm-hmm. first I'd say, oh, I'll remember that. I never did. Mm-hmm. So having that little bit there was always helpful to know I could just grab that little notepad yeah, and yeah. jot it down. I'm glad you found the paper towel and the, <laughs> the golf pencil. And the other thing, you know, it's not because I'm mad we publish and this could be the next great thing. It's because I'm here 
and um, I'm alive and, and something just came and I just want to relish it and enjoy it. And that's the whole point for me. And I love that because there's an ease in that and there's a certain presence that you bring to, to writing and to the experience of writing. And I think 20 years down the road for me, there, and at being at this age in my life, there is that way to look back on life with a different lens, mm-hmm. more of one of compassion. And it's, <laughs> it's not about like when you told me, oh yeah, you, you know, you're a writer. And I thought, okay, all of a sudden I can see the New York Times bestsellers <laughs> list, you know, <laughs> and that's not what matters. That's no. not at all. That's not it at all. It feels like writing brings you back into a place of remembrance and of reckoning and of just delighting in whatever does kind of maybe pop in and pop through. It's so true. You know, I say, I often say that a pen is shaped like a wand on purpose because there is this, there's this, um, this sort of magic and you sort of ride it across the page. And I found that when I, I'm not trying to lecture or have things I want to get across, but I'm literally, you know, I'm starting with some visual usually for me and I'm just following it with the understanding now that everything is meaning, everything can turn into something, but I'm, I'm, I'm not doing doing it i'm i'm showing up and i'm there um but i'm it's lightly lightly down the page hoping and and Mm -hmm. often an image that never would have come to me comes because the other thing i like to think about is your notebook is like a runway and ideas can see the runways open and come swooping down that otherwise wouldn't have and zing you grab them and off you go and i'll have a memory and and clients who you know in their 80s will say oh i, I never that's a memory I, I would have thought was gone forever and because they were right there in the notebook with the pen it came back to them little gifts um a little like fishing where you put the pole and you don't know what's going to come up and then there it lands on the page and then and then you follow it and um and i'm actually thinking of something right now about something i wrote the other week see if i have it here oh here it is i'm writing with i i'm running five writing groups a week at taste life twice Mm -hmm. and i write with every group and i share with every group and you know the whole thing about inspiration it's it's really not true (laughs) and when you're in a situation where you're sitting there and you must and often i'm just sitting there going i have nothing and i'll I'll dare myself. I like to play a little and I'll just say, okay, come on. Uh, And this one week I said dryer lint. You think everything has meaning? Do you? Okay. Dryer lint, go. Um, And I, and I got this, I got this little bit that I, I, I enjoyed and and dryer lint suddenly had a place (laughs) in the world of my notebook. I call it accomplishing. Peeling dryer lint off the little screen, like peeling skin off a sunburn, a little reward for doing laundry. The schlepping and searching, making sure not one sock or pair of pants is missed or missing. Wishing a moment where everything's clean, it never happens. Even after the last dish is stashed, a mug sneezes on a spoon, someone takes a sip of water, a mint leaf lets go. It's sweet how I keep trying to put things to rights, how I think I can create order, sweeping the porch as more petals fall. And still I try, endearing how I fluff pillows, wipe the counter again. How fetching am I, pulling out the little lint tray, peeling out the fuzz, rolling it delicately into a ball, dropping it in the bin as if I've done something. (laughs) Love it. (laughs) 
and it's that thing, right? That just everything has meaning. Yes. In and, our ordinary lives. Yes. And yes. pen on the page will bring it to you. Little good little bird dog. Off it goes and brings it back to you. And that's what you do at your in your classes at Taste Life Twice. Yeah. We write right in the room together. First, I just read rich, lovely offering. It's almost like a banquet that I'm preparing before they come. And that takes me a number of days where I'm just searching for beautiful bits of literature that is really accessible. You're not slogging through it going, I don't know what that means. It's just right there. Um, and everyone sits around sipping tea and relaxing. And being read to is an exquisitely nutrient-full, nourishing thing that we sometimes forget about. And um, I also work with high-risk young adults, and they are mourning the, the loss of parents reading to them. And I ask them that, and they're like, oh, yeah, you know, they sneak around the corners to listen to their younger siblings if they're lucky being read to. Oh. We're exactly the same. Being read to is just, it's so vital. And I can see everyone just relaxing into the cushions. And then... Um, I might say a little bit and I'll, I'll throw out writing prompts in my mind. They're like toys. I'm just like, if you want to play with these fine, lightly, lightly, but you don't have to. And I don't want to get in the way of an image that might come to you. And then we all just sit around scribbling some teeny little bits and some a little bit longer, but we do it in the moment and you sort of fall in love with people in a group, even if you don't know them about these two hours a week. So you have this desire that something happens, but um, there's no competition. Somebody said that to me this week. How do you do that? I don't know, but I'm not worrying it. it, it it's a stupid uh, concept. I'm not about grading anyway. And when we each read aloud, it's like a birthday party and they're opening a present. Mm -hmm. And I'm just listening for what works and only what works. It's the only place I am, the musicality, the metaphor, the whatever. Um, often seeing in the writing stuff they didn't see. My favorite thing is, you know, they'll do this beautiful thing that, you know, would be called literature. And they didn't know. And of course, we don't have to be clever. We just have to show up. And um, that's who we are as human beings. We're literate. It's just the flow of us. And then I might point it out and they gasp and go, oh, what? I didn't mean to. And to suddenly, after all those years of schooling, we were smacked and flattened and to suddenly realize you don't have to know things, be clever, um, just show up. A little playfulness doesn't hurt, although you might be writing something sadder and you don't think it's as playful. But, um, and every week, two, three women say, oh, I'm so sorry, this sucks, but here I go. And then they read it and then we all go. Oh my gosh, <laughs> we can't help ourselves. We don't have a choice it, it, that we're just, we're creators. And even this week, someone arrived looking so dead and flat and I could just see it the minute she walked in. I went and got her a blanket, actually a little blankie and tucked her in. And, um, and she was like, you know, I'm just here to sip tea. I barely made it. You know, she wrote, she wrote a beautiful piece and, um, Oh, look at me, lost it. Oh, so that's what happens. And then I read what I wrote, but nobody comments on me. And nobody's cross-talking, so it's not exhausting. So introverts can just leave in the two hours and still feel refreshed. <laughs> and then I finish with an exquisite end poem. And as mm. sort of a little kiss, kiss you out the door and off they go. It sounds so lovely. And, you know, it is stupid that there is, you said, it's a stupid thing to have the competition thing. Oh, but that's, that's yeah. what we've, that's the model uh, yeah. that has shaped so many of us. Yeah. So to have the experience of being able to go in and be vulnerable yeah. and held yeah. 
and just like you say, just allow whatever might come through to come through and to just what put it on the page mm-hmm. and to have that be enough. Have that be enough. And, you know, their faces change over the two mm. hours. They look a lot younger. Uh, there's something that shifts in their faces. Um, and I think it's that our spirit just wants us to create and it's not grading us. It's not um, squinting and going, it just, it doesn't care. Go to the beach and create a circle of pebbles and put a leaf in the middle. Mm-hmm. And the spirit is like leaping, like, yay. It, it just, it infuses us with a sense of joy. Absolutely. And by the way, I have clients like this too, who zoom in. I have a little cart. And so some people are in the room and some people are like you are right now. Um, right. Oh, well, even being here across <laughs> from you and being able to see what you've created, the space that you create and the, the space that you hold for the women that cross through your, your threshold and come into this room. I can all, even though I'm across the country from you, I can imagine myself being able to feel mm. what, you, what you offer, even mm-hmm. though I'm not in that room. And that's quite remarkable. <laughs> and for somebody who's like technologically, you know, not particularly savvy, um, that's, that's quite something to be mm-hmm. able to, and it's one of the positives of the, the modern age that we're living in, in, in yeah. terms of being able to connect. Yeah, it's lovely. But the power of what you create comes through, even, even through this Skype <laughs> image and, and who you are. I, I feel all of that. So I can imagine that those that are having the virtual experience of your, of your classes still would feel a part of what's happening there and feel the embrace. Yeah. Yeah, they do. And I wheel them around the room on this funny little cart and put them in front of (laughs) first reading. And then I black the screen. So the reading person doesn't have to stare at themselves. Right. person coming in is right. They get front row center for it. Oh, well, there you go. (laughs) (laughs) It sounds like a bit of magic that we all need. I think so. Yeah. Yeah, for sure it is. Yeah. It took me a long time to get past the point of being, like buying a lovely journal was always, I would treat myself to buying a beautiful journal or sometimes I'd be gifted one. Yep. And that I wouldn't write in it. Yep, never. (laughs) I always say to people, go get a scrappy notebook, go get something. (laughs) I I started out with, like, I was a teacher, and I started out with old journals or notebooks that I would find in the halls in um, June after the kids left, and I'd just rip out whatever they had, you know, had done, and I could write in that. I guess. Scrappy journal, yeah. Yeah, and so there is that sense of what I have to say isn't good enough. Mm. you know and so what i love hearing you describing about the work you do within with your workshops and the people who are lucky enough to to be there and participate is that moving beyond that place of perfection mm. or thinking that it has to be clever mm. or, or that you have to use fancy words yep you know to 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 think that whatever story i have in me or whatever bits might come through that i don't even know yeah. um matter and so ultimately, it, I matter <laughs> when you have the courage and can go through that portal of vulnerability into allowing. Yeah. It's all very um, sub and unconscious. Like when I say their faces shift, it's not because, you know, they were doing the work or uh, there wasn't, they were just themselves for two hours. Yeah. Um, without, it's very gentle and quiet and you're not noticing and um, there's no efforting. 
you're sipping tea and nibbling chocolates and listening to lovely things and the next thing you're scribbling and then you're hearing what works and it, it all has this lovely um by the end you just you've returned to yourself and that's yeah. why i think we face a shift i think i'm seeing mm-hmm. them them at the end exactly i'm surprised anybody leaves that <laughs> They often go, I'm in the kitchen washing the teacups for the next group and they're still there. <laughs> yeah, it's really sweet. Or I'll peek out the window and they're still standing in the street and some will say, couldn't we just like in school, put down our little mats and just curl up now with our blankie and just be here. <laughs> that I can imagine very easily. Oh, um, you know, in, in Ireland, um, we especially focus, although anyone can come and write whatever it is they might be working on or wanting to write. We've had people there that have done children's stories. We've had people that have come and, and discovered that they actually, what they write is poetry and then they're on fire. So there's always a sense of uh, discovery and what uh, might happen when, when they arrive it, it is going to be different when they, <laughs> than they imagined, right? However, there's a lot of people, of course, that come because it's memoir focused. And so what would you, how would you, I suppose, encourage someone to approach writing memoir? Well, I think, you know, everyone, first of all, to to understand that everyone comes in a different manner. There are people who actually see the entire timeline and know where they're writing to and where they're ending. I'm not that person. Um, I am the person who doesn't have a clue and and I'm just finding my way there. And I like the surprise of it. My writing, I think, would go flat on me if I was sort of tromping along a path I saw. So I'm often saying just airlift down right into the moment you like, can't wait to write about. Because sometimes we're very, we don't, it's old school stuff coming to us, beginning, middle, end. We think, well, I have to lead them in and get them over to where it is that I'm, I'm, I can't wait to get to. And I'm always saying, just go there, go straight there. And later you can always, if you need to do stepping stones there, you can, but we're such adept creatures. We can pretty much go with you right away. It's a lovely thing about us. And so sometimes I think of, for me, memoir is a little like a patchwork quilt and just start making the little patches and don't get all worried about the big long how. And let's just get a bunch of patches down and then you can start figuring out how they place together and and how it might go. I think also a beautiful thing about memoir is you discovering and being surprised yourself. And again, that's my sensibility so that I'm not coming in with these are the pictures in my head that I'm going to place down and this is what it will look like. Uh, so that's how I see it. Mm-hmm. And then there are people who are going through just, they really, they just are following the steps. They've already put down the stepping stones that they know and off they go. I kind of envy them because in some way that sounds very relaxing. (laughs) (laughs) There's a certain level of trust that, um, that you comes to me when hearing you, what you're saying is that there needs to be a certain level of trust that something will come through if you parachute down into that moment. But sometimes you're resonating with something. Oh, that moment when I flung open the front door thinking it was the UPS guy and there was my old boyfriend from high school. <laughs> I just sort of, who knows. But um, you can't wait. But then, oh, I better tell them about how we met and, and I hadn't seen him in a while. And, but you're not, there's no zingy feeling of can't wait to write that. Mm-hmm. Can't wait to write is the moment of flinging the door open. Mm-hmm. And I say, fling the door open, go there, give yourself permission. And usually, and I always say, if you're slogging along, 
just lift your pen and go for a walk, do something else. We have this weird thing about I must finish. I must, like there is so much sloggy stuff about writing that we've been bring, carrying with us and the self-doubt and the criticism and all of that. Mm-hmm. And we're just clearing that away so that we can play. And, and also there's a difference, I would say, I think the line between fiction and nonfiction is a little goofy. <laughs> and I just would like to just get rid of it. And yeah, if you're doing like some kind of news report, but there, you're going for the truth what is true and so mm-hmm. you know whether it's a blue coat or not a blue coat or he didn't actually show up and it's it's you're going for the truth of the matter and I really I blur those lines fiction nonfiction, and that's also uh the playful bit and and I keep saying the imagination but we were so happy when we were kids and we would vanish I mean <laughs> let me pause not all of us but blah 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 when we were playing right and mm-hmm. we could just vanish mm-hmm. and we could be there and you would just everything else was gone as we chalked on the sidewalk or we scribbled on the page or whatever that is that is still us and we still need that we just have to figure out how we play now and if you've been a mother it might have been smacked out a bit because you didn't play as they played and then you start thinking oh i've lost my sense of play look at me i'm no fun anymore no, we just don't have the sense of fun of a seven-year-old or a 12-year-old. We have a different sense of it. And writing is play. We just forget that because it was introduced as work, I think. Mm-hmm. But writing's how we play. And bringing the imagination to that page. Oh, I'm going to read another thing, may I? Oh, good. Oh, yes. Did I? Um, oh, this one. Okay. This isn't the one, but I'll, I'll do this one anyway. I don't okay. Um, so... All this is, is <laughs> when I go grocery shopping, I park at the bottom of the lot. It's on a little hill. It's Trader Joe's. And I've discovered that you can hop on the back of your cart and get a really good ride down the hill. <laughs> you have to be unselfconscious about this. <laughs> and you have to be careful with the cars pulling in. I love it. And that's my little reward for myself, you know. And, um, and so I have, a, uh, I have a ride about once a week. I uh, pretty much oh. get it almost every time. And then I just brought it to the page to have a little more fun. And then bringing it to the page, I got the whole image of the charioteer, which now makes my ride so much better now that I realize <laughs> I'm a charioteer, right? But I didn't realize it till I wrote it. And I called it obituary. I fly Trader Joe's parking lot, riding the back of my grocery cart chariot style, gaining speed down the hill. This is my reward for deciding between jazz or pink lady apples, finding the organic kale, remembering salmon and lemons. I can't care what others think. I wave sometimes. Mostly I just concentrate on not hitting cars, weaving around ones that turn in, leaping off to redirect. Carts have no steering, tending to veer. A small silver-haired girl, okay, older woman, flying behind fenders. My daughter thinks this might be how I die. Perfect, we agree. She imagines the phone ringing, someone saying, this is Trader Joe's, and her hand in the air, halting them right there. No need to go on. (laughs) (laughs) And, you know, there's your imagination playing with obituary and, you know, dark stuff. But, you know. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, that's, that's good. Let me ask you this question. What would you tell your younger writing self now from from where you are now in your life looking back is there anything you would tell your writing your younger writing self that you know now that you didn't know then 
Yes, I would say do not listen to Mrs. Poth. I've changed her name. She doesn't know what the hell she's talking about. You just ignore all those red pen marks, the C's, the feeling of I don't get it. Don't worry that you don't understand the, the poetry or the short stories that she puts out there. Life is a banquet. And just like when you have your plate in your hand and you're going down the line looking at all the food and various things, you're not wrong or bad because you don't want to have the pate. It's not your taste. You are going to reach for what interests you. And your main question should be, what do you love? And pay attention to that. Don't pay attention to other people deciding if you've done something well or not done something well. You've written it this way or that way. What do you love? What do you have fun with doing? What do you enjoy writing about? What makes you just uh, laugh? Start reading lots of things and, and then the things that you love are yours. And the things you don't love, don't worry a bit about it. Beautiful. <laughs> it's, it, it's, it's my theme song, What Do You Love? Because I think what do you love equals who you are. And I feel we are not led there in school generally, truly. And now working with the high-risk young adults, They've lost what they love in all that. I mean, it's hard enough to be an adolescent. Yes. And some of us are still struggling adolescence inside. And you really need to just turn to what you love. You will find yourself there. It doesn't have to be a struggle. And what do you love is so much easier than who are you? What do you want to be in life? You know, da, da, da. Mm -hmm. Let's just go to what do I love and relish and delight in that. And just, and it also wakes you up a little so you're paying attention also reminds you what you need to have in your life. So the minute I realized that I love fresh flowers, I don't think I've gone a week without fresh flowers after that. I bring myself, I'm sort of, I romance myself and take good care of me. What do you love, sweetheart? And you know, some of the answers are too big to be able to bring into my own arms, but I can bring tulips home. Yes, you can, and you do. <laughs> <laughs> and you offer that that wisdom and that delight and that permission mm -hmm, mm -hmm. to all those that that come through your door i do i know and but that's I your gift love them. i love them and i romance <laughs> them <laughs> the flowers are for them and the chocolates and the tea and then no don't wash your feet up my goodness no uh, <laughs> and I come to them with the palms like, oh, I have such good stuff for you. I literally feel like I'm handing out gifts as I read them. I, I love to read aloud. I'm really, I mean, I'm good at it. I just am, you know, because yes. I, it's like dessert. I feel like I'm just like, oh, here, and I, I can slip it right in. And every, just so often, I'm usually very present. I'm right there in the moment when I'm reading, which I think aids in the ability to slip it right into your between your lips and you know and every once in a while I might go out just for a minute it just happened this week and I saw it and I repeated the line and uh two of the women said oh I'm so glad you repeated that because I had just missed that bit and uh -huh. I have no idea if this is true but it often <laughs> happens and I'm like oh like that being present is so vital to the reading aloud I mean it's vital to everything isn't it it is and it's also how I listen to them when I'm listening to them I have no inner talk going on. I also, I'm not able to memorize things, which is really sad to me. It's an Achilles heel. I just, I can't. But when I'm responding to the piece, you would think I had the best memory in the world as I go through it. And mm. I, I don't question that. I don't know what that is. It's a little mm -hmm. gift to 
and just say thank you. Um, but I think part of it is that nothing is going on and I'm just listening and then I can just speak to it. It's sinking into that deep presence. Mm -hmm. yeah. yeah. And we, I think we all have that. Yes. I, well, and it's your gift that you bring to all of us. I've honed it, shall we say. Yeah. <laughs> it's what you love. <laughs> it is. It really yes. is. And we're, we're so grateful and we're so excited that you will be with us in May in Ireland. Yes, I'm delighted. It's and going to be fun. It's going to be great Abby, fun. Sweet idea to sit across with our teacups across the hearth and be with someone wherever they are in their writing, even if it's ha have never placed a pen on a page, but uh, would love to see what that feels like. Or if it's someone who has something and would like to see what my eyes see. We'll meet you wherever you are, right? Mm -hmm, for sure. <laughs> <laughs> Before we go, Drew, um, we always ask a couple questions of those people that we are interviewing. And so I would like to know uh, what you're reading right now. What books have caught your eye or your, your attention? Um, uh, I'm reading Nothing to See Here by Kevin Wilson, given to me my my daughter. Ah. Um, my favorite writer. is my <laughs> um, So I'm reading that. And then I've just discovered the book Poetry of Crescents. And it's an anthology of mindfulness poems. And as I finish every session with some really shining star of like hope in a way, mm -hmm. it's going to be a fabulous book that I'm going to dip in and out of. And I just found like kick-ass one already that I read this week. So uh, great. Always curious about what I people are reading. I have a nightstand, but I'm not next to my nightstand. <laughs> <laughs> oh, and then just to close out, Drew, where have you found joy? where you've least expected it? <laughs> well, I found some yesterday afternoon when my friend Jane came for tea, but she's a chiropractor and she is just so kind. She always brings her table. And after we've had a catch up in tea, she just says, lie down and she uncrunkles me. And I was lying there and you know, there are painful moments and it was very painful. And in the exact same instant, I had this whoosh of gratitude, like just this, oh, I'm so grateful to her that she would give me this. And as the gratitude swept in, on top of that, I went, oh my God, it feels so good to feel grateful. Like not, I should be grateful, but this was like full whoosh on gratitude that I then had this other, like I got a little teary about mm. and joyful about how, how wonderful gratitude feels, that whoosh of it. And ironically, I was in pain in the moment. So that would be a surprise moment of joy. <laughs> it would be indeed. <laughs> oh, Drew, you're always a surprise moment of joy for me. So thank you. Thank you for, for being with me today. And uh, again, we're going to look forward to seeing you soon in Ireland. Um, for those of you that are listening, you can learn more about Drew and the work she brings to the world uh, through her website, Taste Life Twice. And I believe it's TLT. TLTwriting.com. TLTwriting.com. That's TLTwriting.com. And there's so, also a Taste Life Twice writing Facebook page. Okay. So but the, the website will give you lots. Of and it's a beautiful website. Uh, so please, please check it out. The classes are fabulous. And Drew is wonderful, as I'm sure you already have discovered. So thank you, Drew. Oh, Barb. So lovely being with you. And we'll, we'll talk soon. <laughs> All right. <laughs> thank you. Bye-bye. Bye-bye.
Thanks for listening to Ink and Pete, a production of Memoir Tours Ireland. For more information on Memoir Tours, visit memoirtours.com. Until next time, may you find joy where you least expect it.